1: N.Y. or text Hope N.Y. in New York. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Stay cool this summer
2: with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a fifteen dollar O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh,
0: oh, oh, O'Reilly.
3: And what's up, Gamecock Nation? Welcome into GC Live, Wednesday episode of the show. I'm Wes Mitchell, joined, as you see right there on your screen, by our good buddy, Mike Yuva, both of us, of course, of GamecockCentral.com. If you have not already, go check out that dollar deal, one dollar, one year. Mike, hopefully everybody has already taken advantage of that. But I'm sure we got a few folks who are maybe straggling in a little bit late. Um, maybe they've been holding off for some reason. Yeah. Don't know why. But $1 still available. Might not, it's not going to be available forever. I can promise you that. So. No,
2: got a couple more weeks. And the good thing is this, right? I mean, look look at the calendar right now. It's February 9th. There's a lot of people out there. Uh, Wes, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but I'm definitely in this mix. You know, you maybe haven't got your significant other, that, that that special someone in your life, a special gift. So what better way to say I love you than to get them a full year subscription of Gamecock Central? Because they'll be looking at you like, wow, you really shelled out the money. No, 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 no. You only spend a dollar. And on top of that, their birthday's a couple months from now, boom, you get a hat too that you can give them. So it's kind of the two two-for-one special, and it's good, too, you know, because people are going to be thinking that you're Rockefeller out here shelling out money, but it's only $1. So can't hurt, and, you know, shoot, you know, just just put it under their credit card. No one's going to know until a year from now.
3: There you go. Yeah, 99 nine nine bucks is the regular price for a year, $1 right now. Go ahead yeah. take advantage. He is Mike Eva. I'm Wes Mitch. You can go hang out with us on the Insiders Forum all day, every day, pretty much. Um, huge part of what we do is the Insiders Forum, so come check it out. By the way, before we get any further, we got to tell you about our other good buddy. It is Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clinthammon.com, 803-771-6933. Clint is, of course, our presenting sponsor right here on GC Live. And if I can find it, his NMLS number is 71597. For whatever reason, you have to say that anytime you do a mortgage ad. So Clint, the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network and our longtime presenting sponsor who we appreciate very much going to tell you all a little bit more about some new sponsors here later on let's get right down to it Mikey Um, we don't talk a whole lot of Gamecock basketball on GC live because normally Mm -hmm. it's me and Chris Um, you Colin our photographers they all do an excellent job covering the basketball programs but um, since we've got you on today man I wanted to start there because I thought Yesterday was an interesting day for, for men's basketball because we're sort of at that point again in the season where the pressure to to try and win some games late and, and put yourself on the bubble if you're this basketball team is upon us. And and Frank Martin called yesterday an opportunity for them. I thought the team competed really, really well. Mm-hmm. I I thought, and again, I'm not – I will never claim to be a basketball expert, but I watched that game. I was like, man, if they could get this type of performance against the lesser teams on their schedule, um, they're probably not sitting here with the record that they have right now. Like I I thought, they competed against a team that just has really been playing well lately in in Kentucky. So um, your your thoughts, I want to talk about Beamer at halftime and Spurrier Mm -hmm. being there and all that stuff in a bit. But first of all, your thoughts on the actual game yesterday with South Carolina sort of hanging around, but then Kentucky just being too much in the end.
2: Yeah. And then I want to respond to our good buddy, Kevin Ramsey, in the comments section uh, in just a little bit. But yeah, I, I think, look, going into that game, going on the skid that they've been on these last couple ga- of couple days, a uh, couple couple what seems like, you know, um, forever, right? I mean, these skids that they've been going on this season, they feel like they turn into months and I think what we've seen with South Carolina this year is they do show sparks. They do show moments where they they are good. They flash. Uh, we saw that in the second half of the beginning against Kentucky. And unfortunately, the wheels just fell off against a very good Wildcat team. Now, when you look at it in a vacuum sense and you're looking at just one game, that's much easier said, right? But when you look at it from a broader standpoint, when you look at the whole season and, you know, you have to do that, right? Um, it is. It's, it's been disappointing. There's no question about it. And when you look down the line of what the issues have been, and it's not even talking about some of the things that Frank has has talked about because it's more so about what you're seeing with your eyes. The reality is they have not been able to have consistent point guard play. I don't care what team you're playing for. I don't care if it's South Carolina. I don't care if it's Kentucky. I don't care if it's the L.A. Lakers. I don't care if it's a youth basketball team down at Dreer. You need to be able to have good point guard play. They just have not been able to have that consistently. And on top of that, they have bigs who have flashed this season, but for whatever reason, they just have not been able to put it all together. And I mean, shoot, you you seeing something, the issue here, no consistent point guard player, not having consistent point guard play, and you're not getting consistent play out of your bigs. What, what are you going to do? And look, we can sit here. We could talk about Frank and we will, because it falls back on the coaching staff. No question about it, but, That's not going to change right now. These are the players that they have. What are you going to do? There's no magic wand that you can just wave and say, all right, you know, point guard play is going to be better. Big play is going to be better. You know, we could sit here, we could talk about Frank. We will. But as far as this team goes, this year's squad, what can you do to make this team better right now? Because the guys just have not been stepping up. The guys that you expect to step up have not been stepping up. There's been flashes from some of the younger guys, and that's great. But, um, you know, just looking at that game last night and just looking at the last couple games during this three-game skid, that has been the issue. And that's been the issue really all season long as well.
3: You know, Mike, I, I look at this season and I, I think there are sort of two different ways to look at it right now. One, um, there's an immense amount of pressure on Frank. We all know that. Like, that's the elephant in the room. There's a, a huge amount of pressure last year at the end of the season. Um it nearly played out a completely different way. And then there was so much pressure coming into this season, Mike, to win and to make the tournament and to get there. And sort of, I think a lot of people just looking at the big picture, the 10 years, uh, you know, the outcomes, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the the sort of microscope of this year, though, is that other than Kuznard and Keyshawn Bryant, yeah, you're talking about – basically a completely different team as far as contributors go. So there's the big picture pressure of it's time to win. And then there's the short-term reality of it was always going to be very difficult to take all these pieces and in one season mesh them all together into a unit, in my opinion.
2: But you know what people are going to say to that, Wes? That falls back on coaching. Why can't he recruit? Why can't he do that? I get it. I mean, it's not saying Frank is, you know, clean of everything. Um, But look, the last the last couple and every team's dealing with it to an extent. But when you're already in a hole like South Carolina was last year going into this year and you have the super seniors that we talk more so about football but i mean it's the case for every sport baseball yeah. basketball um i mean shoot if you have hockey out there as well i mean whatever sport it is south carolina was already going to be behind the eight ball going into the season it didn't matter who you brought in from a coaching standpoint so you bring that that the, the the pieces that they have uh nine new faces eight different players on scholarship that weren't here a year ago yeah it's going to be difficult there's no question about it. it's going to be difficult to put it together so i, I think the i think the 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 Big question that you have to ask now is what can South Carolina do to finish the year off in some type of positive manner? Because whether or not you want Frank Martin back next year, uh, you need to be able to show the people that are number one, you know, committed to come here, you know, that they they keep their commitment, especially if they only have a verbal commitment uh, of guys that have been looking at South Carolina the last couple of years. I mean, you're going to lose guys. I mean, it happens in every sport, but basketball especially. you got to do everything you can to be able to piece things together because if Frank is gone after the end of this season, it's going to take some time. It's going to take time. It's going to take about, you know, I, I'd say about three or four years to really turn things around because unlike football, unlike football, it's not as easy to turn things around. And especially in the SEC, as we've seen over the last couple of years. I mean, shoot, think back, Wes, about 10 years ago. No one was really talking about how the SEC was dominant in basketball. It's got really dominant over the last couple of years. The number of players. I think the SEC, it's, it's, in the, it's in the hundreds. The amount of players over the last couple of seasons that they've been able to produce, maybe the last 10 years, the number of NBA players they produce in comparisons to, um, to other conferences. And they lead that, that, that category. So it's only going to get tougher. If you do replace Frank, though, you got to be realistic with yourself. I hate to say this, and I think some Gamecock fans get it. You're not just going to be able to get someone like John Wooden to walk in here. You got to realize that, right? So be careful when asking, like, all right, you know, we got a new coach. Yeah. Because I think if Frank goes somewhere else, I think Frank's going to be successful. That doesn't mean that Frank can continue to be successful here. But you have to realize, too, that it's going to take some time. And I think right now, in the world of college sports more than ever, patience does get thin. Patience does get thin. And I, I don't know what it's going to take, the type of coach you're going to need. Um, NIL certainly not going to help try to keep guys in state here. I mean, the Kentuckys of the world, the Kansases of the world, the North Carolinas, the Dukes, they all have boosters that are set up to be able to take advantage of this. Um, so I think it's only going to make things more difficult in the world of NIL, regardless if Frank Martin's here or not next season.
3: So let, let's talk about the end of this season, Mike. You have, um, obviously, South Carolina loses last night. You've got at Georgia, 2 o'clock this Saturday, at Ole Miss on Tuesday, then at home, number 25 LSU, at home Mississippi State, um, then at Bama, Missouri at home, and at mm-hmm. at number one Auburn to finish out the year. Um I- what, what, what are your expects, ba- based on the ups, the downs, everything we've seen from this team, what do you think the realistic expectations are for fans moving forward? And, and also maybe the other side of that is what can fans hope to see as far as like a positive, um, like what needs to happen for anybody to to look back at this season and say, okay, that was something to, to, to build on. Because I it's kind of getting to the point I was listening to, to Jay on 107.5 this morning and he he was like look you're starting to get into that point where with every loss you're getting closer to where it's like you have to just win the sec tournament yeah to get into the dance i don't know if we're quite at that point yet but we were getting very close to, to that point so how do you see the rest of this season from kind of a big picture standpoint
2: well i think you guys gotta be able to show some fight right you need to be able to show some fight and for whatever reason during this losing streak, you really haven't seen it from this team. Um, And like I said, it's not just on the players. It's not just on Frank. It's everybody. It's a collective whole. Uh, We can sit here and say it starts with the coach. And absolutely. I mean, you could say that for any sport. So, I mean, it's, it's everyone that's involved right now. Everyone needs to be able to find a way to just continue to pick themselves up and move forward. You have six opportunities left in the regular season. And then you're looking at the conference tournament, the NIT I know some people don't want to be like, Oh, we we want to go to the dance. I get that baby steps though, especially with where you're looking at right now. Um, If South Carolina were to make the NIT based on the hole that they're in right now, I think a lot of people would look at it just based on where they are right now. And say, you know what? They showed some fight. They showed some fight now. I'm not going to do the whole popsicle headache game and throw out this number. Like, all right, they got to win four games or five of these six games and then win two games in the conference tournament. We'll worry about that when we get there. The bottom line is they need to start winning. It starts this Saturday against Georgia because if they lose against Georgia and shoot, don't sleep on the bulldogs, it could happen because Georgia's put up a hell of a game against Auburn the other night. So they're certainly one of those teams and you've gotten up against them already. So they already have you uh, in terms of a, um, on tape of what they need to do better against you. And they had an opportunity to beat you too. I mean, you had to go on a run at home to come back against Georgia. So uh, more than anything, get the win this week, a uh, weekend against Georgia, and then be able to find ways to just build off of the, those wins. Just get some mem- momentum going. It's going to be difficult to win five or six straight um, of these games because the reality is you have to go on the road to Auburn to end the year. Auburn, of course, coming off their first loss last night against Arkansas. But they're still a very good team. So I, I, I don't know. In In my eyes, you just got to find a way just to show some competitiveness. And if you can find a way to sneak into the NIT, that's great. Is that going to be great in the eyes of maybe fans? Is that going to be great in the eyes of the board of trustees when making the decision if Frank's to be back next season? I don't know because I think we need to see. It's not just about wins. It's not just about wins. You need to show some damn fight. You need to show some commitment. And um, look, last night, we didn't see it. We didn't see it. And, um, you know, they they showed, they showed fight at the beginning of the second quarter. I mean, second half. But it just wasn't there for the entire game, even up against a good Kentucky team. I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that, all right, you know, oh, they're the top five team, this and that. You need to be able to show fight the entire game. They showed, they showed, in that game, West was probably the most fight I've seen during this losing streak, but still at times I felt like they felt sorry for themselves. They just didn't pick themselves up.
3: You know, Mike, I, I thought they got, I thought they got at times really good play and really good energy from Kuznard and and Keyshawn. And it just sort of, I don't know, it re emphasized to me like, look, you you have. There are some talented guys on this team, but to me, when the going gets really, really tough, you need your guys who have been there to sort of take ownership and to, to, to direct the ship, yeah. in my opinion. I, I mean, I, I know they have some guys that have played before, and, you know, you, you have newcomers who have taken on leadership roles like Eric Stevenson, He appears to be a great leader, um, you know, I, I really like what Reese brings to the table, but to me, when things get really tough, you you want for your guys like like Key and Jermaine to sort of step up and and help carry the load a little bit. And uh, I I thought we saw that some last night. Now again, it was against yeah. Kentucky. You're gonna have to play perfect or near perfect to beat Kentucky. But I think we probably needed to see that um, a little bit more consistently in these more winnable games, yeah. not just in the game where you have to be. Superman to to go win it,
2: and that's actually a question that I asked Frank. I said, especially during this stretch now. I mean, who do you lean on to be able to pick you up um, from a player standpoint? And the two guys that he pointed out weren't even Keyshawn and, and Jermaine right off the bat. He said that they've had their struggles this season, but over the last couple of weeks, they've been able to get back to you know as he continues to call it, and the players refer to it as um, they've been able to find peace peace with themselves so Keyshawn and Jermaine certainly uh but the first two guys actually that he mentioned from a leadership standpoint who he feels like has done a tremendous job all season and he will lean on over these next six regular season games and then going into the conference tournament is um is Eric Stevenson and on top of that James Reese as well so I I think you know, the beauty of bringing in some of these transfers. And even though it's tough sometimes to mesh it all together and will it work, you know, sometimes it will, sometimes it won't, especially when you have eight new piece, eight, well, eight scholarship guys, nine new guys all together. It's not always easy, but give credit to, to Stevenson in terms of the the hustle that he's shown. Um, you know, look, there's some nights he makes the shots. There's some nights that we're looking at saying like, you know, what are you doing? You're shooting way too much. But one thing that I've have enjoyed at least with him is I mean shoot they're down sometimes by 15 or 20 we've seen him hit the deck trying to go for a loose ball um, and that, just those little things especially when you have a guy that number one hasn't been here before and he's an upperclassman it can do some good things to the guys around you we, we saw that with Frank Booker when Frank came in a couple of years ago um, and just the the spark that he was able to give that team and then James Reese of course look when he gets hot the kid has been able to shoot lights out and as the season has gone on He's got better with the shooting. Um, He had a good little streak going during that winning streak. So, you know, those are the guys when you look at from a statistical standpoint, that's great. But stats aside, it's doing those little things that will hopefully give that added juice that Frank was mentioning after the game last night and give that enthusiasm to the guys that he feels like um, need to step up. You know, that's what he mentioned after the game. There's guys that didn't play last night or didn't get as much minutes as they typically do because mm-hmm. he feels like they just haven't had that enthusiasm that he'd like to see in practice over the last couple of days.
3: Definitely. Again, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, that's in Athens this Saturday afternoon. Whew. Key game for the Gamecocks. If they lose that one, whew, rough, uh, rough look for them. Let's, uh, let's move on to football. But first, I want to tell everybody about one of our newest sponsors this week with the launch of the South Carolina line. From Homefield Apparel. You can see it on your screen right there. 13 new designs. It's the first time that Homefield Apparel has had South Carolina Athletic, um, a South Carolina Athletic line. Um, for those who don't know, Homefield is an indie based company, uh, premium collegiate apparel. I know most of you or many of you already have gotten on board, but head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use the code Gamecock Central. There is no space there. Use the code Gamecock Central to get 15% off your first purchase. I I got my my little free sneak peek from Homefield. Um, my girlfriend Mackenzie, who Mike knows, she's already stolen both shirts and has has put them in her um, huh. closet. So Mike, I know you're you're changing condos right now. By the way, did you did you Not get yet. your knock on wood? Knock on box? wood. Knock on wood. Everything works out. Did did you get your box? I, I had them send. You should be getting a shirt as well. Did you get it? Did I have
2: it, unless it's in my little mailbox. Check
3: the mail. Would
2: this be would this be something that that they'd be able to squeeze into a small little mail, mailbox like you know at, yes. at an apartment? Con? Yes. Okay, I'll have to go swing by and check it out. So um, we'll do that. We'll do that. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I don't know which one you sent me. It's kind of like getting a mystery box. So
3: um, I'm excited. Yeah, and Gamecock fans were incredibly excited about Homefield. Uh, th- these guys do a better job on social media than about any other company out there. I've seen it pumping up the release. So congrats to y'all. I think y'all were third. Yeah. All time as far as sales uh, for release. Didn't quite get to Georgia and Florida, but still um, for for a basketball season release. You know what someone said, Wes, which was kind of funny?
2: It's like you can look at how that turned out in terms of South Carolina finishing third um, with the sales. It's kind of like recruiting, right? You know, you're or, or, or finishing a season well. Like you did so well, but you can still finish third in the SEC East just because that's just how tough it is. So I I saw that comment. I don't know. It made me laugh because I think it's just very realistic when you talk about from a football standpoint, how difficult it is. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of passionate fans in the Southeast. I understand Gamecock fans don't want to hear that from top to bottom, but um, I mean, shoot, that's the reason why I'm working down here. I love the SEC. You guys are all nutbags in a good way. Um, You know, I think I'm a little bit of a nutbag now too, after covering Gamecock football and um, you know, all these sports. So, Great job. Great job finishing in the top 3 and uh, I'm sure those numbers will continue to go up even if that first day sales thing uh, doesn't change.
3: Yeah, you got to you got to be a little bit of a nutbag, I feel like to be I mean the, the it just means more thing like I know we kind of make fun of that a little bit, but it's it's actually a perfect slogan because it's awesome. 100% true. 100% true. Um NFL draft combine list comes out today. South Carolina puts Kevin Harris, Zaquandre White, and J.J. Anibare. Um, let, let's talk about who didn't make it before. You know, congrats to those three guys, of course. But um, I'm a little bit surprised at no Jalen Foster. Um, mm-hmm. With what he did, Mike, um, you know, the, the the story there from, from walk-on to All-American, the, the production this year, you know, and it, it's not like – You know, sometimes guys just aren't NFL players, like as far as they don't meet the size requirements, they don't meet the speed requirement. Like sometimes guys just sort of get in that box where they're like, oh, this guy doesn't fit what NFL teams are looking for. That's not the case with Jalen Foster, I feel like. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, he's got good size. I mean, he can move around. I'm I'm a little bit surprised as productive as he was that he didn't at least get an invite to the combine. And it makes me wonder sometimes
2: about. The criteria and really how early they know in the back of their head who they're going to invite. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, shoot, you could see it all the way trickle down to even um, you know, shrine bowls, right. You know, as high, high school players, I mean, you've seen kids just have absolutely incredible seasons and you're like, wait a minute, they're left off. They're not going to the shrine bowl for South Carolina or North Carolina, or whatever state it may be in. So um, I'd be interested to learn more about that, I actually, you know what? I might shoot and maybe we'll, we'll get a piece up later t- uh, today or tomorrow in Gamecock Central. Uh, I'll ask Field Yates about that, um, another Massachusetts guy. I'll ask him about his thoughts on that. Maybe he'll, he won't he will be able to give it to me necessarily on record, but we'll, we'll see if we can get something that at least we can share with you guys because I, I do think that plays a role with it. You know, look, Foster was one of those guys that going into the season, I don't think anyone outside of people in that building – really expected to do much or at least do something to the level that he did right all american status um you saw the stuff that kevin harris did in that bowl game does did that allow him did that propel him to be able to get that invite if he doesn't have that performance is he still invited because of what he really did last year he didn't do as much this year uh, obviously injury played a part of that as well but these are the things that just go through my mind when I see some of that. I mean, also, you saw a guy like uh, Nick Muse not get invited. Um, Nick got invited to the – the I, I always call them all the Senior Bowl. Um, the one out in um, Las Vegas, West.
3: Yeah, his East, wasn't – Is that the East-West? Yeah, I think that's East-West Shrine. Um, yep. Zaquandre and J.J. Nibare were at the, the Reese's Senior Bowl. That's the Mobile one. But
2: then you see a guy like, but then you see a guy like White. I mean, White went off this year and he got invited. So I mean, I, it, it's always interested to see. You know, we could sit here and and you know blow smoke up people's butts and, and and just say, oh yeah, it's all about who's the best people there. That's not always the case. That's not always the case. And the guys that did get invited for South Carolina, I'm not taking anything away from them. that's that's phenomenal. But um, yeah, I mean, it stinks. It's things for a guy like Jalen Foster because you feel like everything that he did this year, he did everything the right way. And you feel like a player like that from just a, you know, from just trying to project where his next steps will be, you feel like he's a guy that can make a difference in the NFL. So I am a little surprised that he didn't get invited, but I could also see Nick Muse kind of being on that fringe as well of potentially getting invited, maybe not getting invited, but um, more so with Foster, I'd say.
3: Yeah, and I, I mean – not that it's a direct correlation between like college stats and playing well in the NFL or even being considered to the NFL, but I mean, good grief, dude! If you're an All American playing in the SEC and you're a starter, I mean, you would think that would at least get you consideration for the combine. Like that's that's not it's not a guarantee you're going to get drafted high by any means, but you'd think you'd. I would imagine teams would want to put their their you know, watch on this guy and, and see what he runs and sort of um, find out more information considering he wasn't a, a guy that, that was a known commodity for, uh, for most of his college career. Now, of course, for him, the attention turns to pro day and there's a little bit more, I would say, pressure on, on the pro day now for, for guys like Nick, for guys like Jalen to, you know, have, have good performances on that day. You, you can get to where you want to be without being at the combine. Oh, yeah. But it helps to be at the combine.
2: No, it does. It does. I actually had the opportunity back in 2014 to cover it. And, I mean, shoot, all it really is more than anything, obviously, you know, the testing is a big part of it, but it allows you that opportunity to be face-to-face with a lot of these teams and scouts, right? You're able to have more interviews. I mean, the very first senior bowl that I had an opportunity to cover, if anyone remembers this, Wes, you might remember it, uh, back in 2014, they used to do him over at the Citadel, the uh, the Medal of Honor Bowl. You know, that's where a guy like Malcolm Butler was discovered. He went to Division II West Alabama, but he had the opportunity to, number one, go up against some of the best players in the country. He was locking ga- down guys from Florida during one-on-one drills. Um, and then, I mean, shoot, I don't think anyone really remembers what happens in the games, but it's more so what happens in practice. And if what happens during those interviews. So of course, from the combine standpoint, yeah, testing is going to play a big part. And from a fan perspective, from an outsider's perspective, when we watch on TV, that's the stuff we see. And I'm not saying that doesn't make a difference. It certainly makes a difference. If you're looking at, okay, you know, talking about a couple thousand dollars here, maybe, okay, this is the guy that's a little bit quicker. Maybe that would fit our scheme a little bit better. If we go with the guy who has a little bit faster, 40, or um, to me, You know, the 40, I mean, shoot, Paul Brown invented that back in the day to figure out how quick guys can go track down punts. Um, We still use the 40 um, to show me how many times people actually run a straight line without pads on in a game. Um, But it's more so those quick movement drills. Right. You think about the L drill. You think about the short shuttle. um, Those are great but it's those interviews, those interviews, interviews, interviews. So that's what I hate more than anything. And I think someone actually mentioned in um, Parker White, Uh, I will say just if anyone's interested, punters and kickers can get invited to the combine. It's just much different. Um, They don't have the full combine experience as, say, as a receiver or quarterback. Um, I I would compare it to – I would equate it to maybe a – a half version of what the, what a quarterback kind of has as their NFL combine experience. But yes, kickers and punters can be invited, but uh, Parker did not uh, get invited. Of course.
3: Do, do the kickers run the 40?
2: They do run the 40. Now they can opt not to run the 40. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, shoot to me, maybe, maybe a punter, it would be good. I mean, you see most kickers, you know, on kick, but punters stay back. Kickers stay back. Um, on most times. I mean, that's, I mean, shoot, any team that I played on, and you talk to most special teams coaches, that's usually the case. They're kind of just like the the safety man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, really, what you're getting out of a punter or a kicker. I mean, like, you know, we, we, we joke about that video with Parker White dunking. You know, the guy's athletic. Um, does a coach want to see a more athletic punter? Does it really make a difference if the guy looks like Humpty Dumpty, but he can punt the ball inside the uh, the ten every time? I mean, I, to me, I'd rather just see a guy be able to kick. Um, but you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's a question we can ask Pete Lembo, you know, do you, would would you want an athletic punter or would you rather have someone that can just consistently get it inside the 10 every time? Do you really need to have a punter run a 40 yard dash? I don't think you do, but the heck do I know?
3: Well, I want, I wonder if there's some correlation from an athleticism standpoint and being able to teach a guy, like maybe they're not a great punter. At the exact moment, but if they're super athletic, maybe there's a little more room we'll, to grow as far as what they're capable of. I don't, I don't know.
2: And will and will and wills mentioned it in the comments section. You know, maybe if a kicker uh, handles kickoffs, yeah. I, I I think unfortunately, and I'm not trying to be a smart uh, smart ass, will. I think unfortunately with kickoffs, we're seeing it just go away from the game. That's not to say there's not kickoff returns as much, um, but I mean, look, shoot you know, obviously I'm joking around about the 40, um, Humpty Dumpty. You definitely want to be able to have guys that are athletic out there, especially if you have someone as your, your safety, um, you know, quote unquote on a kickoff situation or a punter, right. And you have them back there. you want them to be able to move around a little bit. So, um, you know, I, I just, I just don't get it. I just don't understand to me. I'd rather see them do like, um, you know the short shuttle you know you're going to the Mm -hmm. to to one side five yards touching the cone going 10 and coming back five i mean to me um those drills and it all kind of equates to what what position you play like an offensive lineman you know you want to see the broad jump you want to be able to see that explosion uh defensive back you want to be able to see just the you know quick twitch muscles how can you you know flip your hips on a dime um Never really thought about a kicker, a punter, and a 40, though. So now for the rest of the day, that's what I'm going to be thinking about.
3: Well, all, all I can think of, man, and, and yeah, like you said, punters, it's kind of – most of the time they're like that safety net, last line of defense. All I keep seeing in my head is the Spencer Lanning um, tackle attempt when Antonio Brown leaped and uh, just <laughs> like karate ninja kicked him um, for, for who knows why. Um, and, and Spencer being a Gamecock and a York graduate where I went to high school. Was a York like that, guy too. How about that? Yeah, that, that play is like ingrained in my head, and I still don't understand. It, it randomly gets posted on Twitter every now and then, and people all over again start I talking wanna about say, it.
2: I want to say it's like a reaction thing. And I'm not trying to pile up on Antonio Brown. I mean, look, you know that he's come out and he says, you know, he doesn't have any mental health issue. He's got uh, mental wealth, I think is actually what the quote unquote was on uh, HBO uh, with, with Brian Gumble. But, you know, God forbid if, if, he, if he is suffering anything, hopefully he's OK. But, you know, the point being is I, I, I think to me it could just be Antonio Brown because like I said, when I watched it that first time and then like a couple of years ago and just going through my head, I'm like, I was just reaction. Like, you know, you're trying to hurdle and then you realize like, Oh shoot, I'm not going to be able to actually jump them. All right. I'm just going to push my foot down. Like things like that happen all the time in sports. But um, as we've seen over the last couple of years, uh, Antonio Brown um, is a different cat. And um, looking back at that, I wouldn't be shocked if he just did it just to do it, like you said,
3: because he could. <laughs> yeah, because he could. Yeah, um, dude, I'm, and I'm I'm kind of on the forty yard dash. I mean, I get it. I, I guess from like a a top speed standpoint, like you know, you, you think about wide receivers and running the go route. What you know, can do they have long speed basically? But I'm surprised that, and I guess they can sort of see. How, how quickly a guy goes 15 yards as well within that 40 yard dash. But yeah. I'm surprised that like a 15 yard dash isn't a completely separate thing that, yeah. that they measure. Because if you think about it, that 10 to 15, you're running that a thousand times more often than you're running a 40 yard dash at, at any position group. You know, like you think about a receiver like running a dig route or running it, you know, you're, you're, you're running that distance somewhat often, even running backs, you know, it's not even really about top end speed. You want the running back. A lot of times that's explosive and can get mm-hmm. to top speed quicker. They, they may not even have the best top end speed, but if they can get to top speed in a quicker scenario, then that's probably what you're looking for. I think at, at most positions,
2: I mean, that's something when you're, when you're training, you know, a lot of these players will go down to somewhere in the South, where it be Florida. I mean, You know, South Carolina to to us people, us folks up in Boston, we think is warm at this time of the year. But as I've uh, been here for six or seven years, I want to get to Florida if I want a little bit warmer weather. But the point being is that's something that they're training. I mean, that's something that they're timing consistently during their training. What is your time um, after that first 10 yards, after that first 15 yards? So from a training standpoint, shoot, for the last... 20 30 years that I can remember, um, they're constantly doing that, you know, they, they, they've been doing that, they've consistently been doing that. Um, excuse me. So, I say that because I think as technology has kind of caught up, we've seen it, whether it be on the NFL network, whether we've seen it from ESPN, where they show, you know, that burst, you know, where were they, um, 10 yards deep or 15 yards in. Um, so I, I think we've seen that over time. The interesting thing is, and I kind of brought this up, Wes, but some people might not fully understand what I was trying to say. The reason why the 40-yard dash is even a thing, Paul Brown, back in the day, he wanted to figure out who the quickest players were on his team. And the average hang time of a punt he felt like back then was um, was around 40 yards, you know, in terms of like, you know, it, it would cover 40 yards during the hang time. So he wanted to be able to find players that could cover space that quickly so that is why the 40 yard dash became a thing and then for whatever reason here we are in the year 2022 and guys are still running with it and of course they're not going to have pads on or anything um but it's become a big thing especially for the smaller guys i mean the big guys their big thing is all right how many reps can i get on the bench there's some guys all right vertical jump all right how high can i get up but i mean shoot it seems like all lights, all the spotlights, go on the forty-yard dash, and I don't know if they still do it. I know for a while, you know, like Adidas, they would, um, um, they would, um, they would actually pay the highest, yeah, yeah, the quickest time if they wore Adidas shoes. I don't know or Adidas cleats, so I don't know if they still do that anymore. Um, I think there was a part like you know you'd be able to get this much money, or uh, if you broke. The record, I think, um, you'd be able to get this much money, or we'll give you your own private island. I think was actually one year. I don't know if that was twenty fourteen or fifteen. So, um, look, the forty yard dash is something that people talk about a lot, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, Jerry Rice ran a four seven. Um, I think his career turned out pretty good.
3: Yeah that, that that was a pretty cool promotion idea though. The you know to tie it to the forty yard dash, which is kind of the most known. Event, I feel like for the casual fan, really very smart marketing on Adidas's part. I will give them credit for that. Um, but I gotta tell you about our final sponsor of today's show, Mikey. Have you done your taxes yet, man? I haven't. You have not. Well, guess what? I've uh, I've got you covered here, man. We've got a new sponsor during tax time, and they're a South Carolina Gamecock fan. He is coming on as a sponsor of, G- of GC Live. The tax team at Liberty Tax Locations in Irmo and Lexington and now also at St. Andrews Road in Columbia as well. You got three locations. Um, They will take care of you locally owned and operated. Um, You can do virtual income tax preparation with local tax professionals or you can go in person in their office. Whatever you're most comfortable with. They're open evenings. They're open weekends this time of the year and they will not disappear after April 15th either. So they're actually open. Any time of the year, a lot of people think, ah, the tax folks go away. If you need any time, anything done as far as your taxes go, the folks right here with Larry Slaughter, his team at the Liberty Tax locations are going to take care of you. So overcome your taxiety. Taxiety is that uncertain feeling right before you do your taxes. You're just not sure everything's right. So you want to go to some professionals. Go to 803-462-5576 and the Liberty Tax team. And uh, they can take care of you. you. Do you do your own taxes, Mike, or are you going to go to a professional?
2: I mean, my grandfather did them for years, the, the original Mike Yuva. He did them for years. Okay. And then when he passed away, um, we started going to a guy that uh, was right next to where my mom grew up. So um, I usually get my taxes done in Massachusetts, but this year is going to be a little funky. You know, I got the, the Gamecock Central stuff since i joined over in october then i have the watch mm-hmm. fox stuff i got the bojangles checks that i need to put in i got a lot going on here man and i'm not the brightest when it comes to numbers so um
3: definitely might have to turn to these guys if i don't Yes, yeah, so what you're message, saying is you're going to give larry a call give larry a call yeah larry and the tax team at liberty tax locations Irmo, lexington and columbia again uh <laughs> well, welcome larry to the team what's up <laughs>
2: You see, Charles comment. I hate the IRS, and I do taxes for a living right
3: now. <laughs> I I think you're probably not alone in that, Charles. No, nobody love Nobody's waking up like, man. I just love the IRS. Like that's that's not a thing. But well, you gotta be careful.
2: We we could have an IRS listener here. We we love you. You know, please. Do, oh yeah, uh, that's that's after Wester.
3: Yeah, let me give you Mike's address, not mine. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I don't know what that means, Jaylene. All right, so let's uh, let's turn our final attention here, final segment, Mikey, to uh, some, some new coaching hires. Uh, yeah. Not not quite official by any means yet, but all signs still pointing to Jody Wright. I, as far as tight ends, coach, mm-hmm. probably will be official, I would imagine, next week. Board of Trustees meeting is currently scheduled for Friday. Um, will be an interesting hire. I, I think you look at that tight end spot. You need a guy who can recruit. You need a guy who can understand recruiting. Mm -hmm. Asking around, that's been one of the things that's been most mentioned to me, Mike, is just that Jody Wright is somebody who understands recruiting. He had three years with Saban running his recruiting department. Um, He's coming in from the NFL now, which seems to be a little bit of a common trend with Beamer. Um, what, What have your thoughts been on just what you've heard so far uh, of Jody Wright Se- seems to be a guy that's just going to bring some juice. And yeah. uh, I hear mean, he's really excited for this opportunity as well. I mean, this this is
2: an opportunity for him to be able to get back into the SEC, a place that he's very familiar with. And I think during the Ask Me Anything thread on, on Gamecock Central that um, I did yesterday, but like as you mentioned before, for anyone that's listening that's new or that's new to um, – Gamecock Central with our switch over to on three we do different things each day where you guys can ask us anything I mean that's that's part of being able to uh, uh, take advantage of being a member that we try to give you as much information as we can on not just stories that we write but uh, anything that we're hearing occasionally as well and just thoughts and uh, some of the thoughts that I shared yesterday was just the fact that you know people see him going back to college and they wonder if that's kind of like someone like do we, do we want that right like you went to the NFL but he's coming back well Look, there's been a a long history of guys that have gone to the NFL and come back for multiple reasons, right? Sometimes it doesn't work out to think of a guy like Nick Saban. Uh, But sometimes players – excuse me, coaches want to be able to get their feet wet in the NFL game to see, number one, is that what they want to do or do they want to come back? And when they come back, now their resume is built up, but they also have a different perspective of the game because they've been able to watch it differently with NFL guys. So I I think being able to have that experience already – of coaching in this area, and you mentioned it before, Wes, he's going to be able to make a big impact recruiting-wise too because this is a territory, depending on the specific territory that they send him out to, he understands. He understands what it's all about down here. Uh, But he also has that NFL experience now. And if you look at what Beamer has been able to do from bringing guys in that have that NFL experience, um, it's something that's extremely beneficial because guys – I mean, shoot, I remember sitting down in 2018 with, with Marcus Lattimore Ninety nine percent of them, he'd said uh, scholarship wise, believe they're going to go play in the NFL one day. So you want to be able to sell that and being able to say, hey, look, this is how many coaches on staff that we have that have some type of NFL experience, whether it be playing, whether it be coaching. That can only help you from a recruiting standpoint. At the end of the day, you know, Jody White's going to have to come out here and he's going to be able to he's going to get his take care of business. He's going to have to do his job. But I just think that's an added bonus when you're talking about recruiting and just the world that we live in now with guys, you know, wanting to go play at that next level. It's not that it's changed, but I definitely think it's grown over the last couple of years. A lot of these guys just say, hey, shoot, I'm going to the SEC. I'm playing in the NFL next year. That's not to crush anyone's hopes and dreams because it's not going to happen for everyone. But. I mean, a lot of these coaching staffs across the SEC, they have a lot of experience, and they have guys that do have that NFL experience as well. So it only helps USC when you look at it that way.
3: Yeah, and I I think you look at the Sterling Lucas hire, and then you look at the Jody Wright hire, kind of a little bit of a similar approach from Beamer. And I I think one thing, you know, Mike, he's made it pretty clear publicly, but his actions have backed this up. I don't think Beamer's, approach is to go just grab the biggest name assistant that he can no. find. Nope. Like I, I think, you know, it, it can be a little bit of a cliche to say they're looking for the right fit, but I, I think there's truth to that as well. You These guys spend how many hours a year together under the same roof? And, uh, you know, there, there's going to be some times when not everybody agrees. There's going to be some times when um, there's some adversity. I think having – a group that sort of fits together and is going to be pulling all in the same direction is incredibly important. And I, I think Beamer has, has showed, he, he could have landed some more high profile assistant coaches, but I think he's more about who fits exactly what I'm looking for. Um, who comes highly high, I think all these guys have been highly recommended to Beamer. Mm-hmm. And, and I think all these guys have, have blown him away during the interview process from what I've heard.
2: Yeah, and I, and I get it from a fan standpoint. It'd be great to bring in every big-name coach, right? But that doesn't guarantee you anything. And a guy like Beamer, I think being able to have that perspective of you know being able to watch his father firsthand and, and seeing how he was able to orchestra a coaching staff at Virginia Tech and what they were able to do, I think more than anything, outside of the fact of Lincoln Riley and some of the other coaches that he's been able to coach under, I think he's been able to see it firsthand that – the big names, like that's great. Don't get me wrong. And at some point, if you have a coach on your staff that does well for a long enough period of time, they'll grow into a big name if they can do good things, and be successful consistently. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's so cliche to say, but it's the God's honest truth. It's just being able to get people that, number one, buy into what you're doing. And we've heard from day one with, with, with Beamer. He wants to be able to have guys here, number one, that truly want to be here, but number two, that are going to be ruthless when it comes to recruiting. And when you think about trying to build this program back up, trying to create a strong foundation, and they they did that in year one, they've been getting after it from a recruiting standpoint. They've been getting after it in the transfer portal. They're trying to build off of that momentum that they ended with last season, but now they're adding pieces from the outside, which will happen. I mean, shoot, we could be here a year from now, and there could be another coaching team. I mean, that's just the world of college football. Who are they going to be able to bring in to be able to replace – those guys to be able to have that same vision. And it just sounds like everything you hear about Jody is that he has that vision. And obviously only time will tell, but um, that's what Beamer's trying to do. So some fans might not necessarily like it um, or maybe they're not, maybe likes not the right word. Maybe they would like him to hire a bigger name or maybe, you know, hire this guy over that guy. But at the end of the day, it's like, look, you need to be able to fit someone to replace a guy like Eric Kimry and then be able to take it to that next level. And if he thinks this is the guy, then, uh, you know, give him an opportunity, give him an opportunity. And he has, like we said, that pedigree of being able to coach both in the sec at Alabama too, mind you. And then also coaching in the NFL for a little bit.
3: Yeah. And I think being a guy that's from Alabama has coached in Alabama at UAB has been at Alabama itself has been at Jacksonville state. I mean, you're going to bring some ties to that state as well that I think will be pretty beneficial in recruiting because that's a state South Carolina has always really, I think, done a good job of just sort of spot recruiting. You're not going to get the the guys that Alabama or Auburn want out of Alabama, more than likely. But can you grab players here and there that can end up helping your program? Absolutely. Look at no further than Tanner Bailey, four-star quarterback who ends up at South Carolina out of the state of Alabama. So that can be kind of a low-key important state for South Carolina to be involved in if they have the right person recruiting it. And I think Jody Wright can be just that for them. The other news that broke this week, uh, Matt Zenitz on three reporting Mm -hmm. that South Carolina expected to hire Devante Holloman. You know, I I think it's, it's working towards that. It it doesn't sound like that's necessarily official yet either, but I I think, I think all sides are are working to make that happen, I, I guess. So if, if that ends up happening, Devontae is on staff at South Carolina. We don't know what that title would necessarily be yet, but I, I think that would be phenomenal for for both sides. It would be phenomenal for the Gamecocks and phenomenal for Devontae. And sort of continues, you know, when you, you have an Eric Camry leave from the on-field staff, you have Connor Shaw leave from the quote-unquote off-field staff, sort of the support staff roles. Very important, I think, for Carolina and Beamer to continue – to maybe add back somebody who is um, closely connected to this program, graduated from the school, played at the school, because um, those things do sort of matter to fans.
2: Yeah, and look, being able to have a guy come Coleman is, is tremendous, right? And I'm not saying that he's not a big name because he's a big name. A lot of people like him and everything that he's been able to do from a high school standpoint as well. But I had this conversation with with Colin Taylor the other day when the news about Shaw, when we, we found out over at Gamecock Central that he was going to be stepping down. And I said, in that position, it kind of goes back to maybe a coaching standpoint. You don't have to necessarily bring in the high profile name to fill that role. Now, granted, with what Holman's is going to do, we don't know exactly what the specifics would be. Right. We, we assume to a degree that he'll be doing similar things to what Connor Shaw did. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you mentioned before, and as Chris has mentioned over the last week, they have the flexibility to be able to kind of adjust that role. Um, and that's going to be the beauty of, of bringing a guy in like that. If it, if that uh, does turn out to be the case. So but the point being is, you know, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this because I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll anger someone but you know it is what it is you don't need a guy necessarily like sterling sharp to to have a role like that right i'm thinking like a, the biggest name i could think of or a george rogers necessarily you need guys that are going to be able to relate relate um and be able to have an idea of what's going on right now and obviously having experiences of coaching at the high school level will be able to help him relate to these some of these players maybe a little bit better because he's been around Uh, some of these 18 year olds the last couple of years. Right. So now they're making that jump to high school from college from high school to college. Um, I think that's only going to help, but um, you know, look, bottom line is that is a tremendous opportunity for the student athletes to have there. And I'm glad that they're bringing someone in that did, play at South Carolina because I do think that helps. But like I said, you don't need to bring in the biggest name of the world. You just need to bring someone in there that uh, number one gets it, but it certainly doesn't help. I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt the fact that he played there within the last 10 years. and was pretty good too on top of it.
3: Yeah. Kevin says it's just not been released. He officially stepped down. His reason was job at the college level. That, that is true. Kevin, he did officially no. step down. That part is official. Um, but um, it's not, Unless it's happened in the last, I don't know, few hours, they were still sort of working through the, the process of, of making all that official, um, it is my understanding. So we'll see uh, exactly what that looks like. But um, as Mike said, a guy that's certainly going to understand what your your modern-day student-athlete is going through, and he's been around high school kids. So I think it, it should be a great transition and a good situation there. Um, for both Devontae and for South Carolina. And I I think that will allow them, in my opinion, with somebody new coming in to maybe structure, figure out exactly what they want those positions to be because I know there's a little bit of carryover, like with what Derek Moore is doing, with what Connor Shaw was doing. Now you have Devontae coming in. Um, There's a lot, uh, I guess, that goes into all those positions, and this will allow them to sort of structure um, different things. I, I even at one point wondered, you know, the loss of Joe Bowen, who was more of a coach, um, mm-hmm. who was helping out with linebackers with Devontae's experience there. W- would that be tied in possibly? I-, I don't know, but obviously we'll find out. Exactly and you always think, about, And you always think about those things,
2: right? I mean, I think naturally when Connor Shaw was here, we assumed like, all right, you know, if anything ever happened, would Connor maybe want that position, you know, to be the quarterback's coach, if that position were to ever open up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you think about these guys that have these roles, and you know, with with Hallman obviously coaching at the high school level, it certainly doesn't hurt the fact that he does have that background. Of course, he's coaching the NFL, um, and and I say all that because Connor was very hands on. Connor was very hands on. So, depending on what exactly his day to day duties will be, one would assume that this, you know, Hallman's going to be around the meeting rooms as much as he wants to be, and if he has the ability to do that. I mean, shoot, God forbid something happens down the road. Right. Um, And there's an opportunity and he goes to Beamer and he's like, hey, look, you know, just keep my my, keep my name in mind. Um, It doesn't Mm -hmm. hurt because now you have someone that has been in that building, you know, for the last, you know, whatever it may be, you know, one year, two years, three years, four down the road. And now you already have him in there. He understands what you guys are trying to do from a culture standpoint. So I think this this would be a win in more ways than one, um, depending on exactly what his day-to-day operations and what his title would be um, once this hopefully gets uh, named official soon or becomes official.
3: No doubt. Um, he is Mike Uva. I am Wes Mitchell. I want to thank everybody for joining us on today's show. Mikey, what, uh, what do you have in store for the rest of the week, man? What, what's going on? You got any closing thoughts today or anything that the fans can look forward to the rest of the week?
2: Well, people don't want to hear from me, so I'm going to give you a quote that Shane Beamer sent me last night. If you haven't seen it on Gamecock Central already, uh, Shane Beamer is going to be at the Gamecock club hockey game on Friday. And some people might be like, all right, why is that newsworthy? Well, I think it's newsworthy because it just goes to show everything that he talked about when he got hired all the way back in December of 2020 that him and his family, We're going to be out in the community. They're going to go to as many Gamecock games as possible, and now that includes club hockey. So uh, I I think that is phenomenal. Um, He, to my knowledge, will be dropping the puck to help celebrate. uh, Cock hockey as their – Cock hockey. To themselves. Love it. Um, The 21st anniversary of the team. And this isn't like uh, something that's uncommon from Gamecock football to help out. Just what – two or three years ago, three years ago, I'm losing track of time. I mean, that's what happens as we, I mean, these last couple of years keep flying by Hayden Hurst donated $4,000 so that uh, cock hockey was able to get their Jersey. So uh, Shane Beamer really looking forward to it. And here's the quote that he gave me, you know, really look, uh, really excited to watch game cock hockey Friday night. My last hockey game, my last hockey game that I went to was in 2001 watching the Atlanta thrashers. So for any thrashers fans out there, um, beamer his last experience was that and that's when he was a grad assistant at georgia tech i love watching hockey on tv and have so much respect for the athleticism and the toughness required to play i hope to see a a ton of gamecocks there with me those tickets will go on sailor point old miss if you've never been uh it is it, it's something special i mean even if you're not a hockey fan those tickets will go on sale tonight at 7. The next night, they have their military appreciation game. I believe proceeds from that will be going back to a military member who has South Carolina ties, whether he's a university student or not. I can't remember off the top of my head, but the point being is a lot of stuff going on this week, and Shane Beamer will be out on the ice, Wes, and hopefully he doesn't slip uh, Friday night at the Plex in Irmo.
3: That, that's what I was about to say, man. Would you See – I, I don't really know anything about hockey. I don't have any experience on the ice. <laughs> how, how, sli- how slippery is it, man? Like I, I'd be a little scared. If growing I'm up, here. growing up, we
2: used to put a hockey rink on the side of my yard. I mean, it was, no, like, you didn't I swear to God. I'll have to get a picture and send it to you. We Used to put like my dad would build one of those like homemade hockey rinks. And it was great when the snow came because you were able to kind of pile the snow up a little bit around it. So it kind of made boards once like, you know, get some water kind of turned into ice. Um, I'd get the basketball hoop from the street. I'd turn it around. We play basketball on it and we turn it into like a combination of hockey um, soccer. Like, you know, you could, you know, slide tackle and just absolutely just kill each other. But I say all that because, you know, it all depends like these, these smaller rinks, Sometimes the ice can get a little bit more slick in comparison to watching mm. like a professional hockey rink. Um, typically, if he's going out there to drop the puck, and I hope they do this, maybe they, they're not going to have something like this. They'll they'll have a carpet that they'll roll okay. out so that someone won't kill themselves when they go out there. Like at the Boston Garden where the Bruins play as a photographer, you'd have to throw on these things that kind of stretch out and they kind of have little spikes on them. You put them on the bottom of your shoes. So photographers would actually still have stuff. I mean, they did uh, – I don't know if you went on the ice – the Outback Bowl a couple of years ago when uh, Michigan was playing South Carolina, we got to go down to the ice. So um, they had a carpet for us. So hopefully they have a carpet. Uh, but then again, I mean, shoot, Shane goes out there and there's no car- carpet. He can uh, bring that helmet the Duke's Mayo Bowl sent him just in case he falls. So I think he'll be okay. He'll
3: be good. That's, that's nerve wracking, man. But th- th- the fact you had a hockey rink in your yard is just such. It's a such a foreign concept for me as someone who grew up, here in South Carolina, in the South, like it sounds awesome.
2: Oh, but- I love, and it was, and it was pretty big. I mean, we used to have my wiffle ball field was about from home plate to the fence was hundred twenty feet. So we 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 had some. I mean, the the hockey rink itself was a little bit smaller than that, but it was a pretty good sized rink. And then, uh, shoot, we play we played football on it. We'd run down the side, and someone would try to die. I mean, we we uh, I don't understand how I didn't like break my head. Uh, as a kid on that hockey rink. But, uh yeah, point being is this. This is going to be an awesome experience for um, for the Gamecock hockey team to be able to maybe get some extra people that don't typically go out there because they want to see Shane Beamer up closer a little bit than, than usual. Um, they're going to be able to have that opportunity. But on top of that, you get to see a hockey game. And I'll tell you what, if, if you're someone that grew up north, these hockey games are like a high school hockey game because you're practically on top of the ice. I mean, I brought – our our good buddy, Jeff, who people on social media might know as uh, Cox by 90. We went to the Clemson game. Great dude. The fans were so friggin' into it. They were banging on the glass. The glass actually fell off and fell onto the ice. I mean, that's how nuts it gets in there. So, um, And they have beer there, too. So, I mean, I mean, you can't lose unless you get through a little bit late and all the college kids take the beers from you.
3: Cock hockey. Check it out. Friday, Irmo Plex. Um, Pretty cool venue, too. So go check that out. All right, y'all. We're going to get out of here. We're done talking. Appreciate everybody for for joining. Appreciate everybody that's in the chat. Uh, The support is definitely appreciated. Uh, Clint Hammond, our presenting sponsor. Appreciate you, too, buddy. Uh, For Mike, I'm Wes. See you all very, very soon. Y'all have a good one.
0: Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game
1: in Kansas, 1 877 Stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1 800 Gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call 800 327 5050 Support in Massachusetts or call 1 8HOPE.